Dwayne and Alan and Valona and Deborah. It's good. It's good. I'm going to come down. I'm going to stand up. <clears throat> come down where you come. Just take a few steps down and. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> That's it, man. Well, I know somebody's having a birthday Christmas Eve. And uh, yeah, won't be long. But, but yeah, we're so grateful for our worship leader and all the, all the people who are involved. And uh, this Sunday is going to be a special Sunday. We're going we're gonna to come and have communion on Christmas Eve morning. We know a lot of people are busy on, uh, on Christmas Eve night, and, uh, uh, but we want to come together and, and celebrate uh, Jesus coming. And uh, he brought the Father and the Holy Spirit with him. <laughs> Did you understand when he came? He brought them with him. And, and now we're being indwelt. We're not separated. We're not separated. Whatever good news that we've heard before, it's better than we thought. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's life-changing. I believe in the goodness of God. I believe that the Bible is a, is a love letter. I believe a couple of pages deal with creation. The rest deals with his desire and intent to bring us to restoration and wholeness. And uh, I struggled for years with religion. You know, Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He didn't come to give us a list of rules. <laughs> he didn't do any of that. He came to give us freedom. Freedom to be who he created us to be and to live in the joy of that celebration. Doesn't mean we don't enjoy life. I'm telling you, it's, you can ride the wave because it's an adventure. It's an amazing adventure. Um, many of you know, and I've, I talk about it occasionally, that I've been to 10 different countries and I've seen the different cultures. Uh, I've, I've been to India and Africa, Israel and uh, South America, Germany. And I've seen the different cultures, but I've seen the hunger of people, the hunger of people to find what's real, what's true and what's lasting, not something that's just here today and gone tomorrow but something that's so real. And I want to tell you about the reality of the goodness of God. Psalm 34, 10, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Go over to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But then Psalm 84, 11 says, the Lord God is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly before him? Now, that's the part I struggled with because I could never reach the standard that I felt like religion had taught me that God was expecting something from me that I couldn't give him. Come on, you understand that every Sunday I needed to go to the altar and repent of a new sin that I heard about. And I could never seem to get free, especially as a teenager, but... The more the Holy Spirit began to unravel the things that were wrong, 
that I thought were right. There was, there's more freedom in knowing whose we are and how much we are loved. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you are. He doesn't love anybody any less. He loves us all the same. He's God. He never ch- Malachi 3.6, he said, I'm the Lord. I never change. I'm, I change not. The Lord God, Psalm 84.11, the Lord is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who come under the provision of the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. There's one for you. So the Old Testament's full of questions, but Jesus is the dictionary in heaven that answers and defines God the Father's love toward each one of us. So Psalm 103.1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's in me. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. What are his benefits? He forgives me of all my iniquities. He heals me of all. This is before the cross. He forgives me of all my iniquities. Heals me of all my diseases. I'm like two 34-year-olds trapped in a 68-year-old body. I'm going to be a sight from here on out. My granddaddy lived to be 97, and every year he'd say, I'm not planting a garden this year. But you know what? He did every year. Called him up at 93 year, three years old and said, how you doing, Grandpa? He's a little short guy. He said, not doing too good. I said, what is it? He said, I just took the transmission out of my old Buick. 93. I can see him up under that car because he was a mechanic by trade and he couldn't quit doing what he loved. But here's Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's in me. He forgives me of all my iniquities, heals me of all my diseases, delivers my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, and satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. That's not what's going in my mouth. That's what's coming out. Because Jesus said, not what goes in is what defiles a man. It's what comes out. So our words have power, but our words are based on a belief or a perception. It could be about, you see, let me just reaffirm this to you. I'm going to talk about batteries not included tonight. I felt a streak of glory when I said that because batteries won't work. Batteries is artificial. It's like AI. The Holy Spirit began to artificial intelligence, something that's not real. Do you understand the definition for, for artificial means something that is created by human beings that doesn't come naturally. Artificial intelligence. But when you get plugged in, God created us with batteries not included. Gave us a choice because he loved us too much to make us robots. Gave us a choice. Even Moses talked about it. He said, I set before you this day life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your children may live. Wow. You, you understand when Adam and Eve ate 
the forbidden fruit. I know people say it was an apple. I think it was a fig. Because they, they sewed the closest thing they had, which was fig leaves together. And Jesus cursed the fig tree over the, old, the New Testament. Come on, somebody. It's amazing. And they're hiding from the very one that can rescue them. Because they think that's the right thing to do. Isn't that what we do? We, we put on masks and we don't want anybody to know the reality. If they really knew about me, they wouldn't want to be around me. That's the lie of the devil. Because Adam and Eve's hiding after they ate, ate the fruit. God told them, he said, I'm going to give you a choice. But just don't eat that tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They could have chosen to eat from the tree of life and live forever in that condition of right standing with God, but they chose to eat the wrong tree and caused the devil deceived them and, be, and caused them to believe the lie. The, the what is the lie? That God's not really good. Let me give you another verse. Matthew seven eleven. If you being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give good things to those who ask Him? Another verse, Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, he who started a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus. I believe that he's at work in our lives. Sometimes we don't recognize it, but he is to bring about his good pleasure and, and to bring us the greatest benefit and the, the great adventure. Now, when you think about this, I'm going somewhere with this because... Um, he didn't stop there. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you because he's willing and to do his good pleasure. It was God in Christ reconciling, bringing us back into favor, the world back to the Father. In the heart of God, we've already been reconciled. We just got to come in agreement with him. Come on. Man. Ooh. So, so I want you to think about this. Adam and Eve sent the creation into a whirlspin because they ate the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and something happened in that moment because God said you're going to die in that day. There was, there was a separation. So Jesus come, came to, to span the, the chasm that separated us. And so when you think about Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you because he's willing. One of the things I struggled with was, well, he can't be pleased with me. He can't be as good as the word says he is. It, it, it can't be that good. But I found out I was so wrong. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I want to take you on a journey. James 1.17, Jesus' half-brother, wrote the book of James. He was the one that they threw off the pinnacle of the temple because he wouldn't renounce Jesus and he didn't die, so they beat him to death with a club. That's pretty serious business. That means they loved not their lives. To the, they were serious about their relationship with the Father because Jesus said, I've come to bring you to the Father. Wow. So I want to take you on a little journey. 
Deuteronomy 31, verse 21, Moses is about to die, but he's handed the baton to Joshua. Joshua means Jehovah's salvation, Yeshua, Jesus. He's the type and a shadow of what's to come. The Old Testament's full of questions. Jesus answers all the questions. What about Job? What about Jesus? <laughs> what about all the, the bloodshed? What about his bloodshed? He's the answer to all the brokenness of humanity. And I know that because he's, <laughs> ooh, it's amazing. It shall come to pass. Moses is rehearsing and telling the children of Israel before they go in, when many evils and troubles befall you. This song shall testify against them as a witness, for it shall be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed, for I know their imagination. That word imagination is something we all have. Imagination, the root word is image, but the Hebrew word is very strong. Imagination, yet sir. Yet sir is the Hebrew word. It means to frame up. It means to frame up and it means purpose. Do you know you were created out of the imagination of an incredible creator? That he framed you up and he holds us together because he delights in us. He delights in us. Absolutely. He sees his reflection in you. For a long time I preached, when you see him, you should, when you look in the mirror, you should see his reflection. Well, I want to tell you that if we're created in his image, when he sees you, he sees his reflection. Come on. Isaiah 62, 4. I no longer will call you abandoned or forsaken. I'm going to give you a new name. Hephzibah. Say that with me. Hephzibah. Look at your neighbor and say, did you know you're Hephzibah? You did good. Yeah. Hephzibah is what God sees when he looks at you. It means my delight is in you. Here's the benefit. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. I just got these goosebumps, I'm telling you. It's amazing when I think about the power of this. So he says, I know their imagination. That word, imagine, the inclination of their behavior is what he's saying which they go about even now before I brought them into the land that I swore. Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. And he gave Joshua, the son of Nun, a charge and said, now here's a new imagination for you. Here's something else to, to, to frame up in your spirit, to frame up in your thinking. You need to look at things differently. He said, be strong and of good courage. For you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear to them, and I will be with you. Wow. Think about that. I want you to 
put that on a personal level. New covenant. Old covenant is we're no longer under the law. Can't live the law. Can't keep the law. The law was just a schoolmaster to teach us how much we needed his grace. So you think about this. He's saying to you, be strong. Be of good courage. Put your trust in me. Because I'm going to bring you into the land that I promised to give you. Here's another part of 62.4. Isaiah 62.4. I'm not going to call your land unfruitful or barren anymore. It's not going to be desolate. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. He lived in Lodabar up into his older years. He was an infant, a child, and when Saul, his grandfather, and Jonathan were fighting the Philistines and they died, the nursemaid ran out of the house and dropped him in a hurry. He became lame on his feet. Let me tell you, many of us have been dropped by those that we trusted, those that we believed in, those that we thought would protect us. I want to tell you that trust in the Lord. He'll never drop you. I'm going to show you a verse in a minute, but hang with me. So David asked Ziba, is there anybody in the house of Saul I can bless? He's in covenant with Jonathan. And Ziba, the servant, says, yeah, there's a grandson down in Lodabar. Lodabar means the howling wilderness, the place of no pasture. That's what it means. That's what artificial intelligence. That's what the imagination of the enemy, the thoughts that he'll spin for you to get us plugged into what's artificial, what's not long-lasting. Because when we were born, we were born with batteries not included. There's only one source of our power and joy and strength and help and hope. That's in him. Now hang with me. James 1.17. Every good gift. Every perfect gift. Look around you. Just look at the people around you. Take a look. Do you understand? Every life is a gift. When I look at you, I see the fingerprints of a, of a loving, extraordinary, amazing father. I see his fingerprints on you. When you come into this place, one of my buddies told me, spoke to me as I shook his hand and said, agape love. When you come into that amazing, only God kind of love, and the Holy Spirit's been given to us to pour that love out in our hearts so we can cry, Abba, Papa, Daddy, God. Religion never teach you that. Religion needs to control you. <laughs> needs to control us. <laughs> yeah. Got to straighten yourself out. No, I could never do that. I found somebody that could, though, when I, when I found out how much I was loved. And when I let him come into me and... and, and and pour his life and his love into me, all of a sudden things begin to shift. 
I want to say something about my children, our children. Trent, 42, 42, yeah. 43, yeah, thank you. August 8, 8 1980. Yeah, that's right, 80. He, he's 43. Daughter is 40. But when they came into the world, especially when my daughter was born, I, I loved my son. I was overwhelmed. But we didn't love them because they were good babies. <laughs> Have you ever dealt with babies? You know why we love them? Because <laughs> they were ours. Come on, you know why the Father loves you? Because you're his. Oh, yeah, come on, because you're his. He loves you because you're his. Oh, my goodness. So you understand that if you multiply a mother's love a trillion times, you might get close to the love the father has. Because mama get up at midnight. She'll hear the baby whimper, don't even have to cry, and she's up at 3 o'clock in the morning making sure everything's okay. Multiply that kind of love a trillion times. He said in Isaiah 40, he said, don't you know I never sleep? You know why? Because he sits up watching you, looking at you. If he had a wallet, your picture would be in it. <laughs> he might have, Sister Martha said he might have one. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a book, and all our names are in the book. So he said, uh, he said in this, Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. He gave it to Joshua and said, Be strong and of a good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with you. That is the imagination. The, the, the Holy Spirit will speak to us through imagination. When the guy brought the, pot, the, the airplane seat in dad's shop, I don't, I, I know, I don't even know where that came from. I asked him, I said, you know somebody gives flying lessons? I'd never been up in a small plane. And he said, yeah, gave me the name and the phone number. See, my imagination, a seed was sown. And I began to entertain an idea of being up there above the clouds. I began to see it in my imagination, what it would be like to be on the left side holding the yoke with the rudders. And <laughs> I know it's okay if you don't have that same thing, but it happened to me. And I called him up. I asked the instructor that very foolish question. I said, how safe is it? <laughs> he chuckled on the phone. He said, well, it's not 100%. <laughs> So, but I couldn't help myself for the next two years. And you can go as fast as you want to. I learned a lot about me. I learned how not to panic, how to see things from a different perspective because I'd never been that high before. And I remember the first time I did my first solo flight, I looked over where my instructor usually sat and saw those headphones sitting there in the seat. And as soon as I cleared, rotated and cleared the interstate, 
I said, okay, buddy, now you've done it. <laughs> and I remembered something somebody told me, said, may you have as many landings as you have takeoffs. <laughs> so far, so good, right? So the adventure happens. It starts with the imagination. And the enemy wants to, he wants to invade our imagination because here's what he did with Adam and Eve. Eve, he, he, he made her doubt that God was good and that he really was holding something from them. He said, it, he knows that when you eat that fruit, you're going to be like God. They already were. But the one thing they had that they demonstrated that they gave up was dependence on him. That's the one thing they had that they gave up that they couldn't live without. Dependence. We can't live without it. We can't live without our dependence. Now, now watch. When you look at Deuteronomy, it talks about the imagination. But I want to take you over to the Song of Solomon. Chapter 6. Let's see if I can find it. This is a, like a love letter. It's amazing. Maybe it's in the passion. Yeah. This is the Shunammite. Solomon's letter. It's the Song of Solomon. It's a beautiful love letter. But it's, it's an, the, the analogy is the Father's love for us, Jesus and his bride. Verse 11, this is the passion translation. The Shunammite bride said, I decided to go down to the valley streams where the orchards of the king grow and mature. I long to know if hearts were opening. Are the budding vines blooming with new growth? Sounds like John 15. Has their springtime of passionate love arrived? Then suddenly my longings transported me. My divine desire. Now that's, that word is imagination. Yet sir. My yet sir transported me. My divine desire brought me next to my beloved prince. Sitting with him in his royal chariot, we were lifted up together. Wow. It's amazing. When you see this picture unfold. Now, if, if you look in an, another translation, the amplified, let's see, let me find it here in the contemporary English version. He said, yeah, this is what I was looking for. Same verses. I went down to see if blossoms were on the walnut trees, grapevines, and fruit trees. But in my imagination, I was suddenly riding on a glorious chariot. Wow. So here's a picture. Hang with me. We're going somewhere. I got to lay the foundation for you. Batteries not included. Oh, yeah. Isaiah 26. 
verse 3. Yes, trust in the Lord Yahweh forever and ever. For Yah, the Lord God, is your rock of ages. He starts in verse 3 by saying, Perfect, absolute peace surrounds those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently trust in you. So, let's go to the next Thinking about him constantly fuels the imagination and and opens our heart for the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to take you over to Luke 15 for a moment. Show you a picture here. Jesus is encountering the tax collectors and and the Pharisees and the scribes murmuring about him. This is what they said about Jesus. This man received sinners and eats with them. He spake this parable to them saying, they were attracted to him like metal to magnet. The people who were broken, the people who were, who were needy. And I'm a needy. I want to tell you something else. We weren't born because God needed us. He didn't create man because he needed us. He created us because he wanted us. You're here because he wanted you. He wanted you. And you're not an accident. So he says, when they drew near, he began to speak of a parable. He's beginning to tell about the lost sheep. He said, which one of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, don't leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost till he finds it. Now, I don't want you to miss this. This is the shepherd. He leaves 99 to go find one lost sheep, but he goes into the wilderness. He goes into his lostness without becoming lost himself. He came into my lostness. He came into my wilderness looking for me. The sheep didn't look for him. It wasn't looking for him. The sheep was lost. That word lost is so important because when you look at the word sin, religion has taught us that that sin is something that just means miss the mark. But it's so much more than that. Missing the mark is not like an archer that keeps missing the bullseye. That's not what he's talking about. Missing the mark means you've missed the knowledge of how deeply you're loved and who you are. Now, the choice he gives us is we can become all he created us to be, but also he's given us the opportunity like Adam and Eve to become who we're not. Do you know, I like to call the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the I am not tree too. (laughs) Because that's, that's what the devil lied to him about. Well, you're not really who he says you are. So they ate of the I am not tree. And they thought it was the right thing to do to sew fig leaves together and try to fix their dilemma and hide. But the father comes looking for them. It's amazing. 
So Jesus uses the parable of the lost sheep, and he said, the shepherd leaves 99 to go after the one. Okay, think about that word sin. Missing the mark. Harmatia. Harmatia is not just to miss the mark. It means to be without a share in. It also means to be without form. To to take on an image that we're never intended to wear. Let me tell you, the Lord has unraveled so much junk in my life. And I, I've, I've had some stuff. And I carried a lot of baggage. But he's unraveled so much for me. And, and what's so amazing to me, he, he never said, well, I'm going to leave that sheep out there for a while to teach him a lesson. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he goes out into the wilderness without, to the lostness of the sheep without being lost himself, to find that one. That's how much value we have. What does he do when he finds it? He puts it on his shoulders. He don't put it through a lecture. He he didn't give it the religious third degree. (laughs) He puts it on his shoulders and he carries it out. And then he says something so significant. He says, he sends word out, come on and celebrate with me for I have found my sheep. You understand what that means? Mine. He takes very personal the fact that we are his. And he is relentless in his pursuit to rescue us from our lostness and to help us to to regain our identity, beloved identity. Now, now let's go on down to, we, we've heard it called the prodigal son. It's not really about the prodigal son. It's about the father. This is a story about the father. A certain man had two sons. Now Jesus is dealing with the religious crowd, Remember? He's dealing with those who said, why are you hanging out with them? Because they're the same ones that called Matthew a dog because he was a tax collector. They called him a a dog eating garbage at the garbage dump. They, They would go home and wash their clothes if they rubbed up against him and take a bath because they were so religious. Jesus told them, he said, you're like a tomb full of dead men's bones. You look good on the outside. But it stinks on the inside. <laughs> Come on, you understand. So he says, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, said, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. Actually, he said to the father, I wish you were dead because I know that's when we're supposed to get our, our inheritance, but I, I want it now. And he gives him a third. See, the older son gets two-thirds. The elder son gets two-thirds. The younger son gets a third of the father's wealth. And the Bible says not me, he, he, he divided unto them his living. Notice he gives the older son his portion too. 
Not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. That word far means the outskirts of nowhere. He went to the outskirts of Lodabar. It's not in a town. It's, the, it's, it's a location between cities. He's in the wilderness. A far country there, he wasted his father's, his substance with riotous living. When he spent all there rose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. Remember the God of goodness? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He said, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, it's a possibility he could have been in the Roman territory because uh, they, they raised pigs, and that was really unethical and, and a really degrading thing and a forbidden thing for, for good Orthodox Jews to do is to have anything to do with pigs. And I like bacon, right? Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. <laughs> Come on, I'm glad we're not there. So he said, <laughs> he went and joined himself to a citizen and sent him into the fields and he would have gladly filled his belly with the husk, the pods, the locusts is what that was. The same thing that John ate in the wilderness. Locusts and wild honey. He would have filled, the, it's sweet, but he, they used it to fatten up the pigs. And he would have eaten it. And no man gave to him. Remember artificial? Something, when it has to do with persons, it is behavior that is insincere. That's what it means. To, at 68, I have nothing to prove. What you see? It's what you see always. I have the same pressures and the same struggles and the same issues, maybe on a different level or a different plane, but I have to depend totally, completely on Him to help me to begin to demonstrate the kind of peace that comes when you don't panic, right? So He said, I know what I'll do. He said, the Bible said that after a while, he said, I know what I'll do. He came to himself. He said, how many hired servants of my father's house? And I'm here about to starve and they have plenty to eat. I think I'll go home and tell my father, I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. Make me one of your hired servants. So he treks out. He's barefooted. He smells like a pig, probably. He's ragged. But see, his father don't wait for him to get home. He sees him. He must be looking for him. He must be watching for him. Because the Bible said before he could get home, he runs and falls on his neck. If you work, look up the definition of the Greek, and to fall on his neck, it means to give a bear hug. When the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius' house in Acts 10, it was, he was giving him a bear hug. 
He fell on his neck and kissed him and he began to rehearse what he was going to say to his father. He began to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. So before he could finish his speech, the father interrupted with a, with a, with a conjunction. But, it says but, father told his servants to bring the shoes, strap them on his feet, bring the best robe, bring the ring. This, my son that was dead is alive. Let's kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. And while they're celebrating, the older son's out in the field. He hears the music and the, and the party going on. Now, now, there's no, this is Jesus talking about a son who came home and the father wouldn't even listen to his excuse. You know why? Because it, it's his. He's given it, it didn't matter. He's home now. He's home now. He, he's under my covering again. He's under my care. He's never going to be in want again. So the older son's out there. You remember he got two thirds and he hears the music, calls a servant and said, what's going on? Said, your, your, your brother's come home and, and your dad's killed a fighted calf and they're throwing a party. And the music's going on. And the Bible said the older brother was angry. I want you to know what religion looks like. Because he, I know it's religion because when his father goes out to entreat him to come in, he says, come on, it's only right that you come and celebrate your brother returning home. And, and the older son says, I've been with you all these years. Here's religion. I've been with you all these years. And I've done all this for you. And you never killed the fatted calf for me and my friends. You never had a band strike up the music and play for me. Wow. Come on, here's what the enemy wants you to th make you think. There's something for you to do to get God's attention. That maybe, like the Shintus over in Japan, when, when they worship their God, they clap their hands and they bow. A, a, a missionary asked him one time, said, why do you clap your hands and bow? They said, because maybe we'll get his attention and he'll notice us. Wow. That's not the father. That's an idol. That's religion. That's man's idea. That's artificial intelligence and a, a, it's, a, it's a skewed imagination to believe something about God that's not true. What in turn that does is make us believe something about ourselves that's not true. Because our identity is wrapped up in who He is. So the Father says, Son, all that I have now, he's already given him two-thirds, but the father goes on to say, everything I have is yours. It's at your disposal at any moment. But it was only right that we celebrate the return of your brother because he was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's been found. Come on, somebody. Now, let me tell you what repentance is. Repentance is not like what religion taught us. 
repentance, I, I think I was closer. I probably ruffled a few feathers in my time because I said repentance means repent. It, it comes from two words, repent, which means return to the penthouse, <laughs> the highest state of affairs, the original intent, which is more closely the, the, the real word repentance was placed in the scriptures in 1200, which means to do penance over and over and over. That'd be, I'd throw up my hands and quit. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what Martin Luther did, you know. He was out whipping himself with a whip and doing all that stuff. And, and one day he got a revelation of the grace of God. Saved by grace, nailed his 90s, what is 96, 93, I, I don't know everything, some things, nailed it on the door of the church and said, I'm done with you. <laughs> this is what I believe now. So we find that, that repentance really in scripture comes from the word metanoia. Metanoia means a radical change in the way you think. Father wanted his son to know what he thought about him, even after he'd messed up. He wanted to know. He hadn't kicked him out of the cur to the curb and forgot about him because he messed up. He wanted him to know how he felt. I think Father wants us to know how he feels tonight. He loves us regardless of where we've been. He loves us right where we are, and he'll come into our wilderness to rescue us put us on his shoulders, and take us into his house and have a party. Let me give you one more scripture. Imagination. Batteries are not included. You know why batteries are not included? Because there's only one source of our, of our motivation, our initiative, our incentive. Only one source. Knowing how deeply we're loved. I want to take you to one more place, if I can, and then I'm going to be through. Romans. Let's see, is it Romans? Let's see, Romans chapter 4. talking about the law and he says when people work they earn wages that's what the older son was talking about it can't be considered a free gift because they earned it but no one earns God's righteousness it can only it, it can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes it's fate that transfers God's righteousness into your account. Okay, I'm sorry. One more verse. You know me by now, right? I got to read this for you. Let's see if I can find it.
Yeah, here we go. Verse 3. When we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. He came, took on the, so he feels what we feel. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free those held hostage to the law, so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as his children. And so that we would know that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, my true father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has for we're heirs because of what God has done. Whoa. There's another place where he says, you have received full acceptance as sons. You no longer will feel like an orphan. I think there's an orphan spirit in the world. Even people who have their parents, they have an orphan spirit. But I can tell you that Jesus wants us to be free from that feeling. Because he looks at us with great love. A great desire to bring us into this new imagination, this new understanding. Yet, sir, this new way of thinking where we become so enamored with a God who loves us without condition. I want you to imagine yourself in a place completely whole, without lack, nothing lacking. You know what it means? Nothing. Peace. Shall, that word shalom is a very powerful word. Paul said to be anxious for nothing but in everything. By Sorry, here I go again. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind. That word means nothing missing and nothing broken. Wow. Stand with me. Batteries not included. The imagination of the Father. Wow. We see ourselves. Here's my prayer. I think about this, Matt. I, I, I say, Lord, Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me what, what I need to know. Teach me what I... Reveal Jesus to me. I, I hadn't got it figured out. But I'm telling you, I'm further along than I've ever been. And I am like <laughs> a new canvas that Father God is putting his strokes to. And so are you. You're his workmanship. That's what Paul says. That means masterpiece. So I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me what it looks like. Bring me into the understanding. Teach me, Holy Spirit, what it means to be loved by the Father. Because I don't know. Teach me. I'm telling you, it'll bring you into reckless abandon. It'll cause you to live life to the full and be a risk taker.
Come on, somebody. So if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to live life like that. I want to live life like a risk taker. You can be a caretaker, a, a, a worrier. You can be a taker. Uh, you can be an undertaker or you can be a risk taker. So you say, Pastor, I want to be a risk taker. And I want to, it's no risk to be loved by the Father. But I want to live the life, I want the Holy Spirit to teach me. I'm open for the Holy Spirit to show me truth because I know the truth is what makes me free. Would you pray for me? Slip your hand out. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Father, we love you tonight. We don't have to convince you to do anything for us. Jesus, you said, whatever we ask the Father in your name, it would be done. So, Lord, you've heard our cry. Our, the intent that you've always had is to, is to show us your extravagance. Lord, to lavish your love on us by calling this your sons. Help us to hear, Holy Spirit, how you see us. Help us to know how you see us. And Lord, we know in knowing that, we're going to be able to, to see ourselves in a whole different light. Lord, help us to throw away the mask. Help us to throw away everything that would hinder us from becoming everything you intended for us to be. And let us be that to the full, that unique, incredible individual that you look at and call, my delight is in you. And I pray, Lord, for every person here that truth would prevail. Lord, where the lie has held sway, and we praise you, Lord, because you do all things well. Surprise everybody with your playfulness, God. <laughs> Show them a father who would never ask us to be joyful if you weren't. And Lord, we thank you that you got good credit. And we want to praise you in advance for what you're doing in our lives. We give you glory. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. God bless you.